Hey, community fans, if you're enjoying the podcast, uh, consider backing me on Patreon and becoming a patron uh, for as little as two bucks a month. It is really helpful for me uh, to keep things going and uh, keep the podcast moving forward. Thanks. Bye-bye. Hey guys and gals, thanks for listening to episode 5 of 6 Seasons and a Podcast. Um, I just want to say up front, um, I'm so bad at this that I forgot to introduce my guest, Andrew Guest. He's season 1 and 2 writer on Community. I am thrilled to have him on this podcast. Uh, He was hilarious to talk to uh insightful and had a lot of really great things to say about his experience especially writing uh, the advanced criminal law episode so enjoy Um, yeah, I mean, you are doing me a huge favor of coming on. Um, so let me uh, introduce and and do all this stuff real quick. Um, okay. Welcome to Six Seasons and a Podcast. Uh, this is a podcast for diving into everything community. Um, we're looking back you know, 10 years later on this first season. And, you know, I, as a fan, huge fan, I wanted to... Uh, you know, get other fans' perspectives. So I've talked to a couple of fans uh, so far, but uh, I really wanted to hear, you know, if possible from from people like you who, um, you know, created something that, I mean, it's 10 years later and I can still um, listen to some of these jokes and I'm just laughing still. And I think that's, uh, you know, as a homage to you guys, uh, as well as, um, you know, just, uh, talking about something we love uh, you know I wanted to do this and no one else was really doing it so I figured I'd pick up that mantle so um, you know well I appreciate you doing it and uh, I feel like many of the writers I think that we were all very lucky to have been in the right place at the right time and gotten to have been a part of this and been a part of Dan's show uh, so yeah it's my pleasure to come on thanks awesome. for having me yeah sure um so I think one of the thing, big questions that I have, and I think a lot of, you know, newbies, you know, would want to, you know, talk about is some of the writers' room stuff because, um, you know, we've probably heard a lot enough from the, uh, the, the, the characters, you know, Joel McHale's, and you know, we've seen lots of interviews from those folks, but you know, what is it really like being in a writers' room? Um, so if you have any overarching thoughts, you know, um, you want to share, but then I have some specific questions. Well, uh, yeah, for me, this was one of, I had, uh, I had been a writer's assistant and a PA and an assistant and, uh, finally gotten my first staff writing job on a multicam before this show. But this was the first time as a, I was a, what's called a baby writer. I was still a staff writer okay. and it felt like a very, uh, special and uh, unique place to be in that the pilot, uh, I love, I mean, of all the things that were network pilots that year, some something about community really spoke to me. And I 
really enjoyed meeting Dan and got along with him really well and felt incredibly lucky to be a part of the show. And it was interesting in retrospect, you know, 10 years later, that Dan wasn't the showrunner yeah. um, on that show. Uh, and I probably wouldn't be the case today. I mean, there's so many shows being made and there's so many inexperienced people who, I mean, he had quite a bit of experience already, and there's people with a lot less experience who are being given the the reins of their own shows these days, but he was not. And uh, uh, Neil and Garrett, uh, Goldman and Donovan were the showrunners, and it was interesting in our pre-production, when we first sat down, you'd come into this room and we were all getting to know each other and trying to talk about the show, and none of us knew what the show, I mean, Dan obviously knew what the show was, sort of, but, um, we realized that we didn't know what what, what the formula was going to be or what, what was episode two, obviously. The first few weeks, we did what they called character camp, where mm. we literally just would spend a day talking about Joel's character. Yeah. And then we would talk about what's Joel's relationship with Troy's character and what's Joel's relationship with Gillian and what's Joel. And, and that, in discussing them, little nuggets of story came up and we sort of started accruing little bits of things that could eventually be episodes. Um, and it was interesting because I, you know, I, I had been uh, lucky enough to be on the first two seasons of 30 Rock as a yeah. writer's assistant. And that was a very different, I mean. Did you know Donald from 30 Rock? I knew him from, yes, yeah. from the writer's room. Uh, That's awesome. Uh, and uh, he was the story about Donald Glover, which is so funny. Was I? Is that uh, he was so young when he got hired at uh, uh, Thirty Rock that he literally on his first week of in pre-production on that show was like, "I have to leave for my other job." And they were like, "Oh, what's that?" And he's like, "I'm an RA at my dorm at NYU," <laughs> and he was still an RA at yeah. his dorm at NYU, uh, and. He was so talented. I mean, he he is an incredible uh, talent, obviously, in any in many respects. Um, right. so, no argument here. <laughs> yes. So there you go. Is that is that yeah, helpful? Yeah, that's great. I didn't want to stop you at all because uh, oh, okay. it was it was gold. Um, and I and I think that's uh, it. Kind of goes into you know the question is you know when you're writing these stories you know do you uh, converse with you know uh, let's say Liz Kakowski wrote the um, the episode before this you know are you con conveying details to each other it, did she write that after this you know what's the sequence of how these episodes okay are so the whole the process is basically when there's not a script yet, when we're just in pre-production and we're just starting from a pilot that's been shot, we discuss, you get sort of get the ball rolling on what possibly could be episode two. And, and, and then as a group, we're all still in one room together and we're, and we're fleshing out, we call it breaking a story. You sort mm -hmm. of start to think about, okay, this, this is an interesting idea for what could be an episode. How would it look? What would the first act break be? What would the second act break be? And, you know, obviously with Dan, we quickly got into a lot of Joseph Campbell stuff about yeah. the hero's journey and sure. crossing thresholds and meeting with goddesses and things like that. But uh, in any writer's room, you sort of flesh it out and together. So everyone knows what episode two is. Yeah. And then at a certain point, uh, once it's pretty detailed it, uh, and you 
basically put it up on a whiteboard. You know what every scene is for sure and probably some comedy that's going to take place in that scene and, and what story-wise needs to happen before the next scene happens. Then that gets assigned to a writer and that writer goes off alone to write the outline. That outline is brought back. Everyone reads it. Everyone has thoughts. Then once that outline has gotten through the approval process between the studio and the network and they've given their notes, then that approved outline is given to that writer and they go off alone for a week, let's say, um, to write their draft and come back and bring it and we read it. So Liz Kukowski, I knew what Liz's story was before I went off on my script. I mean, mm -hmm. while you're gone on that one week, the room keeps going. And at this point, there's probably two rooms going. You've got a group of maybe 10 or 12 writers who split up. You've got five in one room or six in the other. And one is rewriting the writer's draft of one episode that just came in. And the other is breaking the story for the next episode that's gonna be uh, handed out. Um, and so that's sort of the process. So we are all, all in the loop to, to a, a great degree, except yeah. for when you're on draft and when you get a week alone to write and then you sort of come back and get back in the loop. Yeah, is, is there a specific way the episodes are kind of assigned to you, each one of you? Uh, no, it was it was very random. Yeah. And uh, the funny thing about <laughs> uh, episode two, I know we're not talking about episode two this week, but no, you uh, can talk about Dan, whatever you want to, man. <laughs> Dan was gonna Dan wrote episode two, and he basically never left the room. Like he was he was given the assignment. We had an outline that he liked, and and I, and he uh, never handed in its script. And, you know, uh, at a certain point, people started getting worried. We're getting close to pre-production. And I remember it took about two months for him to finally turn in what was most of a writer's draft. And then we helped him get it over the line. And that is, he is, he, I've worked with a lot of showrunners. He's got his own particular way of doing things that is unique and you know it's undeniable uh the proof is in the product and he is an incredible an incredibly brilliant person but who is like uh the russos told the story about i don't know how true this is but like with the pilot even that they couldn't they sony was getting so frustrated that there wasn't a draft that that Joe and Anthony had to go to Dan's house and sit with him to make him finish the pilot for Community. I've listened um, to enough Harmontown to know that uh, it's probably uh, based on truth. Uh, and, yes. and he's done this enough, uh, and uh, there's probably something diagnosable about <laughs> you know, uh, yes. why that happened. So uh, we give him some room to, uh, you know, to be who he is and, and, Otherwise, you know, please just he needs to be keep on pumping stuff out. I, I uh, exactly just watched um, this dragon episode of Rick and Morty. Uh, yeah, me too. It's just, great. Yeah, I mean, like, please just continue to make me laugh. You know, in real life, I'm a marketing analyst, so I'm I do a really boring thing. Although when I get to present, and so that's fun with uh, with people. But in general, I'm like you know graphs and charts and stuff, but. So I need something, you know, the, the, the world is probably full of people like me who need, we need this stuff to uh, keep us going and keep the lights on as, uh, you know, yeah. as like Annie does. So, um, you know, I don't want to keep on harping on the, or boring you with questions about the writer's room, but, you know, I think it's really fascinating to see, um, you know, just how our favorite thing gets built. And, and so you've already answered a bunch, but, 
Um, you know, so you worked on 30 Rock. You know, how did this writer's room experience differ from, and then you went on to do uh, Subrogatory and um, my IBM, IBMD is not up right now, so I'm forgetting yeah. everything else. But uh, Marry Me and right. uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine most right, recently. Right, right. Um, uh, but it, it was singular because of a few things, but mainly Dan. Dan is a singular presence, and mm -hmm. he, uh, I've, uh, and, you know, the, he, it, it, it is interesting. You, um, okay. A couple of different things. One, um, I've worked for a lot of talented showrunners and at a, a showrunners making them, and I'm going to call Dan the showrunner, even though he wasn't in season one, cause eventually he was, and he basically acted it as it. And, um, uh, but yeah, I heard there's like this famous meeting he talked about, I don't know where I heard it, but he was basically like raise your hand if you think you're the showrunner of this show and, and everyone in the room raises their hand and it's like, uh, wait, I'm the showrunner. That's what Dan basically said. So anyway, go ahead. There was a, there was a lot of political maneuvering in season one. Yeah. There was people who were trying, I will not name them to take the showrunning reins over from Neil and Garrett because they didn't feel like they were keeping Dan in control and mm -hmm. making a good show. And there was a table read of an episode I also won't tell you what one that Dan was, was not involved in. It was a script that Neil Garrett and Dan never got their fingers in. And it was like a test of like, could this other person take, uh, do a better job? Mm. And it was, it was chaotic for mm. sure. Um, but um, Dan so uh, showrunners are making thousands of decisions a day in a writer's every time you're looking at a script and rewriting it, you're getting pitches on every next potential line of dialogue. And when I was in the 30 Rock room, the uh, interesting thing was Robert Carlock and Tina Fey would follow the joke no matter where it led. So the funniest one in the room. So it, it, it sometimes you know, you're trying to get, keep the story moving. Sometimes you're finding an interesting thing about a, about a character and sometimes it's just a joke. And like, you have to weigh all those things because uh, making it the funniest joke sometimes robs a little bit from character or takes this, makes the story a little bit straighter or not as interesting. Uh, 30 Rock was all about jokes and it had, I think, some of the best joke telling there is. Dan Harmon was most interested in story. He, all that, so like when we were doing a zombie episode, he wanted it to be the best zombie episode the community could do. And even if that meant Britta had to act a little bit out of character hmm. or it wasn't going to have the funniest jokes, he wanted the story to work. And that was sort of interesting to learn and to watch. Um, and but also he had a very singular he's got a very singular sensibility, uh, you know, that I felt uh like I, I understood a great deal of, and I knew it was, it was very exciting. It was, it, it's interesting how much TV has changed in 10 years. Well, you've got away with doing crazy things creatively. I don't know if they, what they expected out of us, but they let us do it. And that was incredibly freeing as a young writer to like be able to pitch the most bizarre, insane thing. And for Dan to be like, yep, let's do that. Or, you what know, was your, and what was your you, favorite thing that you pitched that you did? Uh, my, my favorite experience creatively was working on the Dungeons and Dragons episode in season two, 
which was I was saddled with as somebody who doesn't I've never played Dungeons and Dragons. It was like this bottle episode that we had to save money on that Dan was like, there's going to be a Dungeons and Dragons episode. I know that we always that's going to happen. And I was like, I don't know what the how do I make how do I give an episode that's about playing a game any real stakes for any character? You know what stakes are, right? That that, yep. that has significance, that has meaning for somebody. And uh, we had just done a, a one-off joke with Fat Neil as a character who is called Fat Neil. And um, I got to, in trying to break that episode, I was like, what if, and this is crazy, <laughs> what if we literally had someone's life on the line, like mm -hmm. in real life, uh, in this game? Like, he's going to kill himself if he loses this game. Could we do that? And yes, we could. Yeah. And it, it worked. And I was like, this was amazing. So that to me was one of the things that was just like well, super exciting and yeah. seemed crazy and that we were able to do. That's awesome. And, and uh, if you've never heard this, I hope you have, but on behalf of, uh, the uh, I guess uh, I'm the, the spokesperson for the entire fandom of Community. That is in the top five episodes ever uh, of, of Community. So, um, well done, and uh, you, you uh, deserve a plaque of some sort, or uh, yeah, I don't know. Very kind of I you. would say an Emmy, but uh, I don't hand out those things. But yeah, no, seriously, yeah. Uh, wonderful episode, and. Um, I mean, every every we we're not talking about that episode. You get to come on right. and and do like anything you'd ever want to say about uh, um, that episode if you want. Uh, but I want to talk about the um, uh, this advanced criminal law episode because yep. it stands out to me as uh, in this first season. We we just had introduced reintroduced really uh, in episode four, Duncan. Um, but now you have him coming back in and doing, you know, come to do odds uh, um, with Chang, with Jeff, and yeah. Uh, yeah. Kinda, yeah, and you have this, you know, the teacher professor thing, and uh, but I think you just have uh, with Britta and and Jeff, you're changing the uh, the the dynamic for for all of these characters. Um, you have uh, Chevy Chase and Pierce doing their sub story and, you know, Abed and, and uh, Troy, Troy coming in and doing their story. That's, you know, kind of bonding them. And, and um, so kind of describe how you, you guys were, were pitching this or drawing out this episode um, in, in, in bringing these characters together. Uh, well, I think you're in, in looking back at this episode, there's a, you know, there's still a lot of the old versions of who these characters were. It took mm -hmm. a long, it took much of season one, I feel like, to, for us to find the characters. And in particular, Britta was somebody who, and you can see that, you know, she, I think, I, honestly, I think Dan hadn't put too much thought into her as a character. Like, she's the object, she's, she's the thing that Jeff's trying to get in the pilot, and she is, like, a pretty much of stereotypical, like, hot cool girl yeah um and there was a lot of discussion at the network about recasting her um because i think they she was she wasn't really suited to that role gillian the actress yeah and i dan it took a lot of dan in the editing room finding moments and finding comedy that gillian that was suit that gillian was suited to and and she became 
uh, later, one of the most fun characters to write for and one of the most interesting characters. And we hadn't quite figured that out yet. Uh, I feel like she's still pretty, like there's a little, some shading of like yeah. some darkness there and like self-hatred and like, you know, but um, we weren't there yet. Uh, and she's still very much like, the, we didn't have the right comedy wheelhouse. We didn't know what made her funny, certainly yet. And she's same... definitely beginning in, within her own self as an actress. You can see um, the wheel spinning on and how she's, you know, yeah. Gillian's going to take that role, though, in, in this episode. It, it's uh, so that's cool that you, you say that because you can see where she goes in season two, three, four and beyond because she blossoms yeah. into something that's entirely different than that, you know, angsty, exactly. you know, 20 something in, in the first uh, few episodes. And I think we, and she was, she uh, hadn't done a lot of comedy, Gillian, before this. Mm -hmm. And I feel like, I remember shooting, we went to Long Beach for all the pool stuff, which was a pain in the ass and a big drive. Um, and I remember being in the locker rooms when we were shooting the Gillian crying. Uh, and I remember being really impressed. Like, she was an incredible dramatic actress. And I feel like we figured out how to put a little bit of that into this episode. Mm -hmm. But we didn't know how to make her funny yet or what her comedy was. And I'm so glad that Dan stuck with her and found who she is and really, uh, you know, dug into it and, 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 you know, put, dug his heels in to keep her. Um, and so that was interesting to rewatch the other, you know, Troy and Ahmed, uh, we really found them, I think more than anything through the little, um, little bits at the end of the episodes like those sort of became the marker for their dynamic was like just watching them goof off together okay. and this i remember joe russo being like uh really having problems with this sea story because it was a it was maybe the most heightened like is troy really believed the fucking Abed's an alien <laughs> and i was like it all it all works out because you reveal that he never did but at the same time, in rewatching it, those scenes play—they uh, uh, play a little uh, too heightened. And uh, well, those are credible hand alien hand <laughs> movements. So yeah, I think... they are credible alien hand movements. But we're like, what are we expecting the audience to be thinking at this moment? And like, is, what is this show? And like, uh, I feel like Ru Joe Russo might have had a point about that uh, that storyline. Yeah, I think it goes by pretty quick, and and it's a touch point to look back on and say this is oh, one of those sure. moments I mean, where those two come together. Shows yeah. are, you know, sitcoms more than any show take time to like find themselves because mm -hmm. it is about the writers learning who the actors are, learning what 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 their strengths and weaknesses are, mm -hmm. and sort of finding the voice together. It's that sort of, and once they once that happens then then i feel like shows uh get elevated so much more and then the 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 chevy storyline i thought i remember looking up uh i remember thinking it was going to be so funny the idea that he had to write the song and uh that was another story where everyone was like not really thrilled with the story because it was kind of the same scene over and over again of annie coming in there and being mm -hmm. like what's going on and Pierce not, and we didn't really know what, I just thought it would be, I, I believed in it comedically, and there's still some things in there that I think are funny, but like, 
I do remember one of the first things I did when I got into that first scene was like, look at a rhyming dictionary for Greendale, which is where slop pail came from. <laughs> you look at these things online and they, they, they give you the most terrible, uh, random, uh, you know, rhyming things. And I thought it'd be funny if that was like the only thing that Pierce could rhyme with Greendale, uh, which is where all that slop pail stuff yeah. everyone, uh, is, is, is in there for. Um, but yeah, so well, I you mean, were allowed I feel to... like, yeah, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it was not a standout episode for sure, uh, but, uh, Oh, I disagree, you know, the, but, um, well, that's very kind uh, of you, No, but, I, uh, I'm serious. Uh, I think, uh, first of all, you have, uh, you allowed Chevy Chase to actually do his thing. I mean, he had a little right. bit in, um, episode two where he's, you know, uh, he's doing the study thing with Jeff, you know, he, he lights his arm on fire, but you know, mm-hmm. I've talked about in the previous episodes that, you know, like spies like us for me is like one of oh, yeah. the most, uh, iconic eighties films. And, you know, he and Dan Aykroyd, just so you know, the so physical comedy and just hilarious. And so, I, I actually think that this story with Annie and and um, Pierce, Pierce, you know, because gets to embody Chevy Chase, the, this whole physical thing. So I, I, I don't know. I'm going to defend it and say I really like how it worked out. Um, but the the standout section of it, um, you know, Chang, you know, in in his class, what is that? It's a tiny piece of paper. Um, <laughs> You know, so, you know, how much of Ken, you know, bring what what did he bring to that in in your words? And he bring a lot of it. I remember he he was Chang was not in the pilot. And I I feel like it was the Russos or Neil and Garrett who got very excited at the idea of casting Ken because he had had been in Knocked Up. Uh, He was was a doctor in Knocked Up. Yep. Um, And uh, they. Uh, just thought he was hilarious, and he, he and I remember the not in this episode, but in the in see in the second episode when the first senior Chang scene, he was just sort of let they just let him go. The Russos were both there, they let him go, and I remember Dan getting he was Dan very rarely went to set and was not on set, but he did have a feed, so there was a he could see on a TV in his office what was going on on set, and he was getting so frustrated <laughs> that uh, that he that the this guy was just being allowed to go on and on and on, and a lot of it was in, improv. Um, and and so in these very early episode season one things, uh, Ken is doing a lot of this, coming up with a lot of that himself. That is really Ken, um, and. Chang became a problem later on in terms of like part of what makes him funny is like his cartoonishness. But mm-hmm. then like, how do you tell a real story about a fucking cartoon? It becomes mm-hmm. very difficult. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I, but I, at this point we, we were still enjoying the cartoon yeah. uh, quite a bit. Yeah. I um, spoke a little bit in the second episode. I had a little part where I, I feel if there's one character who, didn't quite you know get everything uh of a story arc you know throughout the the six seasons it's ken i feel like you could have uh you know get a glimpse that his he has a brother who's a jewish rabbi 
Um, <laughs> Which again, it's like yeah. You know. So uh, it's just uh, I feel like uh, I don't want to criticize my heroes, but I would say I okay. wish there's a mo- yeah, there's a movie uh, in the movie when it gets made. Uh, Ken gets a little <laughs> bit more of a, you know. Oh, he was yeah. off doing something really interesting, and and it's like a subplot. But anyway. Um, One of the other things about this episode is I was very lucky to have ended up with episode five because uh, it was the first time that Starburns spoke and the first time (laughs) it was we introduced the character of Leonard and he spoke. And what happens as a writer is uh, you get character payments if a character shows up for the first time in your episode and then comes back. So every time they appear again and you get a you get it's not a huge sum of money, but you get a little sum of money. Um, you, and man. that's uh, awesome. <laughs> and so forever after I was getting Starburns and, and Leonard payments uh, throughout every season, even when after I left after season two. My uh, name is Alex. Know, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, Alex. Yeah, that's great. Um, and that's, of course, played by Dino uh, Stamatopoulos. Uh, so. Yes, who was um, one of our writers in season one. Yes. Yep. <clears throat> a friend of Dan and uh, a long time. Friend of Dan. The uh, but I so I'll, I'll uh, you actually kind of out Dean Pelton a little bit in this episode. A little bit. Little little peek at where where maybe he's coming from, and mm-hmm. uh, but do uh, you have any were there was anything about um, Craig's role that that uh, you got to um, do in this this episode? Uh, I don't remember feeling any ownership over anything that Jim Rash did in this episode, but like, I think we all sort of found him to be such an amazing actor and his, I love his little dynamic with Britta about her shoes in this yes. one. And like, it, it, it just, he's, he's in, Jim is incredible. He's an incredibly talented person. Uh, we were very lucky that we wound up with him as our Dean. Uh, Wasn't he uh, one of the so, last people to be cast? Yes. Yeah. I believe so. Yeah. Interesting. Um, yes, so I believe that Dan talked about there not having been a dean and that being like a network or a studio note. Hmm. Um, I also remember this has nothing to do with this episode or anything, but I, it just occurred to me it. that because I go through this process a lot now on projects of my own, but that that this that Dan decided when he was making, you know, Dan had come to Los Angeles and had a huge success with the pilot that never got uh, aired, but every with, with the Jack Black, uh, I forget, Heat Vision and Jack. Yeah. And like, uh, he uh, felt like he, you know, he, he came in, I think, with a certain level of cockiness about his own uh, abilities. And when he did, when he got, commu- when he's doing community, he decided this is what he told us that he was going to take every note from Sony from the studio and really, and really just like, and the Dean being one of them. Um, but, uh, he said that like, at a certain point it was like, they were about to turn it into the NBC. And there was one note that was just driving him crazy. Like he could not, it felt like it was, con- I don't know what the note was, but it felt like it was compromising the show that he was going to make. And so, so he called Glenn Edelman, who was the, one of the heads of comedy at Sony, who was in charge of this project and said, uh, I can't do it. Can't do this note. Can't do the show. Sorry. Tried. I really tried. <laughs> Did my hmm. best. Took every note. And Glenn was like, oh, don't worry about it. 
I'll take that note. That's fine. <laughs> and it was like it blew Dan's mind. And they were like, didn't matter. The fucking note didn't matter. Uh, uh, yeah. Which is part of the process that I think a lot of writers can relate to, where you were like, oh, my God, like this breaks what I love about the thing. And who am I? And what, what, what will this mean about the you know, state of my life and my work if I do this, make this compromise? And then like, it doesn't really, none of this shit makes a difference. Okay, anyway, moving on. No, no, that's, yeah, one note can be adding like a critical character for that is like lovable for six seasons and another can be throwaway and, and uh, yeah. So I want to get to my the my favorite line uh, exchange in all this because I think it's it's the first time that we saw see this back and forth like quick 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 brilliance. So you you wrote one of my favorite exchanges where uh, Chang is talking about tampon time, if you know what I mean, and um, Jeff goes objection. I don't know what he means, and um, uh, I just. That right there is what makes me laugh every single time I wrote it. So did you get to – you wrote that or is that, that – I don't think I even wrote those lines. Oh, okay. But I believe I was on set with Dan when we were reworking <laughs> those. He did come to set that day. Okay. Um, but uh, uh, I do love that exchange. Yeah. And, uh, uh, yeah, it was, again, I remember that the, the, while filming that scene, the question was, like, how far are we pushing Ken with this? Like, are we letting him – do too much insanity is it getting is it derailing you know the reality of the show a little bit mm-hmm. uh but i feel like what came out of that scene was really fun and and i love i love ken in that scene yeah yeah and then the shower scene that guy whoever that extra is did a fabulous job he's amazing uh it's all you need for that scene to work. <laughs> Just a um, big, fat, naked guy is, is all yes. you need, and, and John Oliver and, and Young can just turn it into gold. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Awesome. Well, I think that's what I got for the episode. Um, is there anything else you wanted to add about the episode before I have some uh, bigger community questions? Um, no, I feel like we we did a good job covering... Nice the episode yeah i mean it's 23 yeah. minutes i mean like yeah I, I can't spend 60 minutes on you know picking apart uh but i do have some uh, some questions um so you worked on the first two seasons three, two, three i worked on the first two seasons and i came back for the finale of the yahoo season oh, nice. just as a uh they needed some extra help it was only five days uh and I was like, how hard could it be? It's the last episode <laughs> ever. And I got there 10 a.m. on Monday morning when the episode would start to shoot. And there was not a story. They hadn't even broken the story. Oh, and gosh. those five days were very hard. <laughs> and uh, it was nice to be there and sort of bookend the experience. Uh, and I got to know some of the people who worked on the end of the series and all those talented people uh but yeah it was Did you get to meet rob schraub he's my hero well i had known rob just okay. for, through dan and through okay. the experience of like uh yeah he had uh but yes he poor rob schraub at 10 a.m was shooting empty hallways because dan was like i don't know i might use them and <laughs> they was there was no none of the actors were there no one had lines and no no one had anything yet um we like started breaking the episode 
Yeah, he wouldn't have gotten that from that story. I mean, like it's it comes across like it was preordained to be that story, uh, oh, and then good. the tag the tag section, you know, where they, that was amazing. They, yeah, whoever wrote that end section where they're playing the the game and uh, yeah, it's just that's great. It's one of my favorite yeah. endings. Um, so so that's cool. So did you watch the episodes in three, four, five, six? Oh yeah, I watched yeah, everything. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I I still knew people who were involved, and still had a lot of love for the show and for Dan. And I was I remained a fan, and I still am. Uh, uh, you know, even though I got completely burnt out by the end of season two, yeah. uh, and wanted to leave, uh, I uh, still love the show yeah always will awesome so even season four this is my controversial question i ask guests season four do you watch or ignore season four is not my favorite season okay it is it is it does feel a little bit like an imposter season mm. of like there there's some in, good things that happen in it of course because there are talented people who are still working on it but yeah that it is it is a lesson in what happens when you you know remove the sort of the main creative force behind the thing uh yeah yeah I, I i completely agree i can opine a little bit more as i have it that i think um it's uh you have to watch it as a fan you've you've got uh your favorite character there's it's not like there's zombies who are fed lines no. and 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 you know you just described how some of the you know chang and some of these uh actors are, are just able to bring so much depth to the character uh but there are some episodes that feel like oh, a little bit uh, spoon uh, shoehorned into the the mold, and and uh, but, and, uh, and I think that this is a you know this is a particular type of show. Like I said, when we all sat down there after in the first days of pre-production in season one, and we were like, "What is this show?" Hmm. Um, I mean, it's about a study group, I guess, uh, but <laughs> you couldn't, unlike a lot of sitcoms where, you know, Scrubs is about fucking, uh, you know, medical interns. I don't know what Scrubs are. They yeah. do things in the hospital. <laughs> you, you know what their comedy attitudes are. You could probably switch out showrunners. This was a show that only really at a certain point made sense because it came through Dan Harmon's voice. Yeah. And, like, he, only he really knew what it was about. And only he knew what made an episode work and, and, or not. Uh, and we all sort of had to sort of try our best to help him get there every mm. every week, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you have uh, any favorite episodes um, aside from uh, you? Know, you shared the one that you're most proud of, and we agree. What did you think of the uh, the the sequel to Advanced Dungeons and Dragons? How, how did that stack uh, up? Why am I spacing on the sequel to Advance? So, did they um, did another Dungeons and Dragons episode? Yeah, with um, it's in <laughs> I believe season five because you've got uh, Dicky, um, uh, what's his name from uh, Breaking oh, Bad? Oh, that's right. And um, yes, and uh, yes. Wh what's his name? Uh, yes, I'm I'm blanking on his name too. Uh, yes, Christopher, uh, no, um, uh, it was it was good. I mean, there were good parts of it, but yeah. having written one of the sequels to Paintball. Yeah. You know, Paintball was a great episode, and yeah. we probably shouldn't have made a sequel to it. Uh, and, you know, I mean, it's really, at a certain point, it's so hard to come up with new fucking stories. And, like, yeah. and there's something fun about revisiting things. Um, 
but yeah, I feel like uh, the first one was pretty special. But there's so many. Uh, the the dice episode chaos theory. Mm -hmm. Is that what it's called? Yep, remedial chaos yep. theory. I think remedial chaos yep. theory. Thank you. Uh, I love one of my favorites. Uh, uh, I mean, the you know some of these simple early ones I still love too. Uh, not this one in particular but many of the first season stuff when it was you know when we were not quite there yet with pushing some of the stuff story-wise was still really fun um yeah there, i've described i think there's you know the american poultry episode that to me is like the first real uh, parody and i i'm gonna sound like repeating in this episodes but that one okay. um in in this first season there's like this marker where you know uh there's just it's just you pure parody and then you start moving into a very different type of feel uh, as yes. you, you guys probably got your legs of now we really know what we want to do with these characters uh, that's a uh, how long what's the, the from the start to to finish when you're done writing how long was that from like a, how long does it take to do a season? Uh, yeah, I mean, so like how long were you guys, you know, so uh, yeah, that's, that's my question. It's about 10, nine or 10 months. Okay. So we'd have a few months of pre-production where nothing is happening other than writing. And then once production starts, once you're shooting, uh, you're usually about uh, on a typical show about six episodes ahead in terms of having a script, oh, wow. not on community. We always push the boundary of having <laughs> stuff ready, but you shoot for, uh, you know, you do three, sh typically you shoot for three weeks and then you take a week off in each one of those weeks, you're shooting a full episode. And then once, you know, as a writer, once that last, uh, episode is written, you know, you're basically done. Even, even though that last one hasn't been shot, like sometimes you go and help out on set. But and that whole span, if you're doing 22 episodes, is typically nine to nine to ten months. Yeah, I mean that's a lot of time to grow as a, a individual, like person, human outside of all of this, but to grow these humans that are interacting. And, that's exactly yeah, right. Yeah, and you end up spending a lot of time with each other. Yeah, <laughs> long hours. Community yeah. had long hours from the beginning. I'm sure you've heard yeah. stories, but we would typically do at least one all nighter a week. Yeah. Uh, and uh they were they were fun and yeah. a lot of weekends coming in and stuff um but i luckily was young and unmarried and didn't have kids and so i was happy to do it awesome yeah that's a great way to spend uh those unmarried years um mm -hmm. so uh, one of my last questions uh is uh, what characters or character or characters define you know you like uh, as a person what you know do you relate to and and that's... Um, well, I certainly uh, related a lot to sort of the friendship of Troy and Ab. Like, Troy and Ab at his friends, that dynamic uh, was something I related to a lot. Um, and uh, uh, other than, but neither, interestingly, neither one of those characters individually was <laughs> something <laughs> that, but like, the, their level of comedy together and, and the way that they played around with each other was something that sort of felt uh, natural to me and, mm -hmm. and sort of like my friends from high school or college. Um, and then the other one I would say is Britta. Um, he, she 
was probably my favorite character to write for by the middle of season one and somebody that I related to a lot and still love. What aspects of, of her, you know, uh, is, is it her, um, individualism? Is it her, um, you know, passion. She's she's definitely the the passionate of the group. Even if it's some for... of the politics yeah. and like, I remember coming back from college and thinking uh, that everyone should be communists, and <laughs> you know, and, and uh, you know, uh, some of the self defeating nature and uh, you know, yeah. getting in your own way yeah. uh, and just basically being clumsy and kind of uh, you know, never quite getting getting your point across in the way you want it to get it across. Uh, uh, I relate to all that. Awesome. Yeah. Well, that's my community section. Um, I appreciate you answering those questions and, and coming on. Is there anything that you're working on now that you're excited about? Um, uh, I'll give you some, uh, or you can say, nope, that's good, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, uh, I've got, that's good. I mean, I've got a couple things, but I, I don't want to no, jinx anything. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, um, I, you know, community certainly helped my career in a way like mm -hmm. coming off of that show. Uh, it was amongst writers on other network shows. We were, it was very well respected and I, feel very lucky to have gotten to be there for two years and then help out again. Uh, and still, I still consider Dan Harmon a friend after all these years. I love that guy and uh, love the show. So, yeah. Awesome. Yeah, I got to go to one of the last Harmon towns, and that was uh, a special event of just uh, paying homage and, and, you know, what he's done, you know, for me uh, from a comedic life sense of bringing joy to my life. And, uh, you know, so I thank you, uh, Andrew Guest, for being my guest, and thank you it's for my pleasure. Yeah, for the joy that you've definitely brought into my own life, but I know countless uh, others, and uh, I hope to have you on again because I think um, we definitely need to dive into Advanced Dungeons and Dragons, uh, and uh, that would be fun. And, and some I'm more. happy to do it. So, uh, yeah. but uh, thank you so much uh, for being right. here. Thanks for having me on.